Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Osiris. I see the red lights. It means that we are live. It is Friday morning, October 13th. That is like the creepiest Friday the 13th in history, the October one. Um, my name is Brian eh. Brinkman. Eh. Creepy is a uh, relative term, I guess. Um, Jonathan, Megan are here. This is the Helping Friendly podcast, not the 40 for 40 edition. I do have the wrong banner up for everyone watching on YouTube. I apologize for everyone listening at home. You don't know we are here. This is HF pod on tour covering fishes fall run. We got Shermuth in the house, no matter what time we go live two 30 in the afternoon, seven 30 at night, eight 30 in the morning, mountain standard time. Shermuth is here hanging out participate in the chat we love you thank you so much uh we are covering today fish's dayton run multi-night run in dayton ohio the fourth and fifth shows of fish's fall 2023 fall run uh really really good stuff here we're gonna dive into it all but before we do i'd be remiss if i didn't say megan how are you today I'm doing good. Thanks, Brian. I, you know, last spring I went to the MSG shows and I got the whale variant. And this uh-huh. time I went out to Colorado last weekend and I got the college variant. So I'm getting some time home to relax and chill, but I'm feeling okay. This is the first like time I've gotten dressed in a few days. I'm half dressed to be fair too. I have sweatpants on. <laughs> on a Friday so, morning, I guess. That is quite impressive. I know. It is good. So I'm getting a chance to, you know, relax after a big weekend, but, um, but I'm feeling okay. How are you guys doing? Doing all right. Jonathan, how's your Friday going? You've been jamming a little bit? Yeah. You know, I, I took the day off. I got a a gig 
tonight and I'm just hanging out and uh, nice. tidying up the house and just playing music along with music from this terrific fall tour. I just checked the website. <laughs> it's fall tour. New Year's is a run. It's a fall tour. Um, and I'm, I'm excited. They've, they've been playing really well and, uh, it's, it, I, I'm going to miss live streaming tonight's show. I think I have a good reason, but then, uh, you know, we'll watch the rest of the weekend. It's all going to be great. I think even if it doesn't match everybody's expectations, cause it never does. Never does. It is always yeah. different. Um, where are you playing tonight? Give us, give uh, it's us a house show. In the region. It's a house show house in Fredericksburg. Show? So it's, uh. It's a small affair, but yes. uh, we've got uh, Liam Grant is on tour right now coming through to play. He's been uh, playing all over here in the East. I have his new single right here, backed with a uh, spiral joy band. And uh, yeah, it should be fun. Nice, man. You got a set list written out or are you just going to wing it? How do you, how do you appro- approach these things? Man, I'm really new to this, so I have a handful of songs that I've been practicing, and as long as nobody else's songs sound like mine, Liam, he's headlining, and his stuff won't sound like mine, so that's no big deal. But uh, yeah, I'm just kind of kind of winging it from a like narrow select set of songs. Love it. Well, if you if you all are in the Frederick Fredericksburg, Virginia area. Check out Jonathan's house show tonight. That'd be awesome. Uh, if I lived back in Annapolis, I would drive down for it. Um, speaking of if I lived back somewhere, I would go someplace tonight. If I lived in Chicago still, I would be at the United Center. Fish will be playing three nights at the United Center, the house that Michael Jordan built uh, and the house that has been thus destroyed by Jerry Reinsdorf, Jerry Krause, John Paxson. <laughs> Gar Foreman and Derek Rose's knee. I am personally terrified about this upcoming run. Uh, the United Center is a horrendous concert venue, and um, only tragedy has happened uh, at the United Center since Michael Jordan left in the summer of 1998. So personally, I am walking into this weekend with a bit of dread. That said, <laughs> stepping back, stepping back. Only thing in there is what you take with you. That's very true. I take, mm. I take what I take Lies with me. Words. I, I, I wear yeah. it all in my sleeve. Um, that said, Fish did play two nights in Dayton, Ohio at the Nutter Center at Wright State University, a university I am unfamiliar with aside from the fact that Fish has played a few shows there. Uh, this was as my count, and I'm actually just going to check the fish.net stats on this because I want to make sure I'm correct. And I am, this was fish's fourth and fifth show at the Nutter center. They played 11 30 95 officially released. Excellent show. 12, seven 97 officially released. Excellent show. Seven 18, 2017 amazing show just before the Baker's dozen. If you forget about that show, please go back and listen to that second set. Cause it rules. And then 10, 10, 2023 and 10, 11, 2023. Amazing shows. We're going to get into that. Um, what were your guys' thoughts kind of coming out of Nashville, going into a place like Dayton? How did you guys think about this segment of the tour as we we're going into it? I love Midwestern fish. You know, I grew up in the Midwest and there's something kind of old school about it. It just always feels old school whenever they play there. I don't, I can't describe it. Maybe it's just because I grew up there and they've played so many legendary shows there. And I was just excited that they're going back there kind of to commemorate this 40th anniversary year. And 
I thought the Nashville shows were awesome. I think they're really doing some incredible stuff, pulling out some rarities, playing. They continued that through Dayton. And I think they sound good. They sound really loose and really conversational and patient and also really energized. I thought they had a blast this weekend in Dayton. I'm super excited to get into the shows. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Nashville was, uh, I think by all accounts, pretty strong. Uh, great shit every night. And... Mm-hmm. You know, they they it was their ball to drop when they got to the Nutter Center. And as Trey told us going out from the Nutter Center on was that Wednesday night, um, it's a still a great place, great venue, and they loved it and they showed it a lot of love. So it's a sick venue, right? <laughs> I guess it's a sick venue. The sick. the phrasing that Trey chose <laughs> to use that matches so that. many things that so many fish fans uh, uh, say about great jams, great shows. I loved it. Um, shout out here, Anthony Pagano, who noted to us at the top that this is his first live HF pod live. Yeah, welcome. Welcome, welcome to the chat. Uh, I was at Nashville. The vibes were amazing. Crowd energy was similar to MSG. That is a really bold statement, but I love hearing stuff like that, that like, cause you know, we've experienced this. I've talked about, you know, when I saw uh, West coast fish back in 2021, I saw amazing shows, but the, the energy was very uh, muted. It was very different from mm. seeing a mid, uh, uh, an East coast fish show. So having fish come to a city like Nashville that has become something of like, not a second home, but like, you know, they're pretty comfortable there. They come back there all the time. They got Vance there. They it's love goddamn music sand. city. I mean, you it's know, music city, yeah. but it's not really yeah. a place that like, you didn't think of Nashville as like a fish home in the nineties. Mm-hmm. It's a really re- recent phenomenon for them to have a fan base that travels to see there. Plus people that live there. It's pretty cool. And then Ben Gardner, longtime friend of the pod back home and recovered from Dayton a motion to induct the Nutter Center into the Fish Venue Hall of Fame. I, yeah. I pass this. I, I think that this is Me a too. great call. Uh, I, I vote yay. Megan, you vote yay? Yay. Jonathan, you vote yay? I mean, it, it to... Oh, just vote yay. Come on, Jonathan. No, I don't want to vote yay. I want to vote, yeah, probably. I mean, they, they're, they're batting, but I Our can't, caucus I can't is go broken, long. isn't it? <laughs> Sorry, we're As just going to have to go into a private caucus <laughs> to come out with the candidate who will drop out. Uh, yeah, no, I think, it's, yes. I think it's totally. you know, hitting pretty well. I haven't been there, so I don't know. You know, everybody's just psyched they played good shows. It could be a Yeah, but even if you've never there, been maybe. there, you know if it's good or not for Fish. Yeah. I know Fish well, has it, played well there. And Ben says, if it just feels different stepping in that building, if you know, you know, there, there are a lot of these venues around the country. And I think one of the interesting things about the Nutter Center is we're going to get into here. This venue had insane historical lore. And for 20 years, the band did not play there. And when they went back and there right before the Baker's Dozen, I, I know personally, I remember on, online chatter was... What if it doesn't match, you know, what happened? And are, is the band aware of how good the show was from 12, 7, I don't think that they're walking on stage thinking we got to match that, but like they played a show that, that recognized, um, you know, what the fan base thought of that venue. And I would say just kind of, you know, to show my hand from the start here, I think overall they did the same thing over two nights. I think that they spread mm-hmm. the goods over two nights in a really cool way. I don't think we got as like, uh, much of a like smack you in the face type of set the way that we got uh, at seven eighteen seventeen, but I think across two nights we got some amazing amazing music and uh, one of my favorite jams of the year. So let's dive into this. Uh, night one, 
Tuesday, October 10th. Set one, we got Sigma Oasis, The Ninth Cube, which was the return of that 88 shows since the um, Sci-Fi Soldiers Halloween show. Theme from the bottom, Cool Amber and Mercury, 555 or 555, depending on how you pronounce it. <laughs> Bathtub Gin, Broken Into Pieces, Reba Into Chalk Dust Torture. Um, Jonathan, I want to start with you. What were your thoughts overall on this first set? And what were your big highlights? I think this first set was, I think this is a solid first set. I, I find the, the song selections interesting. Um, by the time they're in Cool Amber and Mercury, I was like, wow, this is a, you know, we're batting, batting again. We're, we're you know, they're really leaning into newer stuff. Theme is not, theme is from the 90s, but Sigma, Ninth Cube, Cool Amber and Mercury. Um, I was bummed that I was no longer in the 100% club on Ninth Cube, um, but that's going to happen. <laughs> um but I think it's good. Ninth Cube is really chill. Um, I'm glad that's back because I think that's some interesting music. Cool Amber and Mercury, I think also chill. Um, I like this 555. It doesn't really do a lot. Um, but the the show really gets going with this bathtub gin. Um, and I think this gin is a keeper. Um, it's just really great peak and it was a lot of fun to listen to at the time um reba is also quite nice um isn't that the second broken into the pieces uh mm-hmm. at that point yeah. yeah second so um i think that sucked some momentum out for some people uh i, I kind of like the song i think that it just needs a little uh it needs to be taken for a walk you know it needs a little just needs to be up on stage a little more <laughs> Or it feels I, like lived in. I think it also, and this was something you pointed out in our last episode, Trey's voice definitely sounds like he's been on the road for six months at this point in time. And a song like Broken Into Pieces requires some high notes. And so mm. if you're, I mean, I guess there's an argument in favor of if your voice is a bit broken, a song like Broken Into Pieces works, play on words type of moment. But um, it, it definitely felt like, if you if you don't have that range right now, why why are you attempting these songs? But also to your point, how are these songs going to become comfortable if you don't actually play them? Um, Megan, what were your thoughts on this set? I thought this set was great. I think this was the best first set of the two nights. I think it has a really good flow, and I think it's great. They've got like Jonathan mentioned three pretty rare songs. You know, two songs second time played, and a song that hasn't been played since two thousand twenty one. I love Sigma as an opener. Those opening chords, just so optimistic. They just kind of set you off into the show. Like, just feels good. And I thought Ninth Key was great. You know, it's just a cool instrumental little song. And Cool Amber Mercury hasn't been played since The Gorge in 21. And I've heard this song twice. It's the eighth time played. I really like this song. It's definitely one of my favorite Caswell Back songs. It's a great song. And yeah, the gin, like Jonathan mentioned, is beautiful. There's like a point at eight minutes in when you can hear them all just pulling apart at the melody. And then it gets really driving, has a glorious peak, really great reentry, beautiful, great version. I'll listen back to that for sure. And yeah, you know, broken into pieces, it's I'm really glad Trey's playing these new songs. You know, I heard it in Tuesday at that 8-1 MSG show. And Brian, you heard it in Colorado, right? With Trey Band? Yeah, I heard it. I don't remember what that version. Yeah, I don't remember what that version was like, but um, I think this song has potential. I really like it in the first set like this. And I think it's great that Trey's playing these songs. I thought it was an awesome set. Good flow. I'd like to to say that, you know, while I commented on the momentum drag, perhaps that some people 
perceived during that, and I could hear why they'd say that. I'm also in favor of him playing new songs, and I liked it. Yeah. It's a good song. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you guys are saying. I, mean, I think overall, a couple of my biggest takeaways were this was the set where it made it, it makes me think that they're at this point going for a no repeats run and they're just kind of doing it in their sleep. And as we get into the remainder no, we of the um well, I mean, I'm just kind of like calling it as as the tour evolves. Um, you know, I think ultimately they just have so many songs and they can just play yeah. so many songs across an eight show run. And so, you know, Ninth Cube, 88 shows uh, since the Halloween show, Cool Amber, as you noted, 106 shows since the Gorge, even 555, 28 shows since 711 played on the first night of summer tour. Like they're just bringing out songs that don't get a lot of airplay while, you know, disease opens the second set the next night and you know we could theoretically see that open the second set on sunday but maybe they leave it on the table it just seems like they're kind of bringing um intentionally songs that don't get a lot of airplay into this tour surrounded by other songs that are you know your staples like your gin your reba your chalk dust um musically i kind of go between the sigma and the gin as my highlights for the set i thought the sigma did a really Mm -hmm. nice job of kind of like pulling at the seams that song and it never really um took the full leap into type two territory the way that we would hear the following night's opener but it also didn't really need to sigma is just such a i've always thought that that is the closest thing fish will come to writing a uh, 70s classic rock you know driving song um it just like has mm-hmm. that like sunny windows down just like cruising on the strip type of vibe to it and when it jams um i, I want to tread lightly in terms of what i'm going to say i it's one of those songs that like, I love the Sigma jams, like the Atlantic city version was one of my favorite jams yeah. of 2022, but I almost am like the song itself is so good. Like, let's just like bang out the song. It's almost like how down with disease leads into such huge and such killer jams. But when they play like a contained 10 minute version, you're like, my God, you guys just wrote like the perfect rock song. I get that same sentiment with Sigma, but, um, the gin got into that very dark, dirty, uh, kind of driving rock sort of space. And it felt as though it was never going to come back to gin. And the fact that they found their way back into it so seamlessly was really impressive and kind of raised that energy. Um, it made playing a ballad after it, that point in the set, in the first set, make a lot of sense to me. I yeah. um, like we kind of needed, yeah, mm-hmm. we, we kind of needed that like step back. And it's cool to me that they're still at this point in their career where they're introducing new ballads where it wasn't you know fish has always been more heavily balanced towards rock songs and the ballads kind of come in and for some people they take away the energy for others they're contemplative moments that kind of reset things Um, i tend to find myself in the latter category and i find that you know having more of these in their arsenal just makes that aspect of the show that much more interesting i want to um comment on something two things uh and they kind of go together so uh i think that 555 may also meet that criteria for classic rock driving with the windows down kind of rock song i think that song is killer i think just the progression of it when in this era like when it came out like many songs 
it didn't really quite gel with fish, mm-hmm. but it's totally gelled these days. And I think this one uh, is is a fine and good version of it. But also, you called it twice now, five five five. Mike actually says five fifty five in the song. You're so. right. I also think that song though is a little bit like what you were saying with Sigma Brian and that like it's good as just a song or a jam like I remember the Atlantic City version was so great just like they really jammed it out kind of like stretched it out a bit but that was interesting what you're saying about Sigma because I feel like that too like there's some fish songs that are good just as the songs but then can also jam too which is cool and I think 555 kind of fits that bill as well it's also interesting because like deep version of 555 but it, it could happen it happened with well, it's in, yeah it's interesting because the mm-hmm. very first version of 555 uh, i said it right um and i will say ambient now and uh whatever other words i'm not calling uh, you I out on any other things uh, and i'm know, gonna keep saying roger i'm just, mess, I'm just <laughs> but, messing uh, with our listeners here um I, the very first version, if you recall, jams from the debut performance at Wingsuit. It's the it, it, that and Fuego were the two songs that we came out of that set, being like, "Wow, we got two new jam vehicles. This is really sick." And since then, it really hasn't. Aside from that Atlantic City 2022 version that you referenced, Meg, which is great, and like, I lo- I lost my mind on my patio listening to that. Um, yeah, I love that in the room. It was crazy. Yeah, and I I think the challenge a lot of fans have right or wrong is that it's a very good song that has been the same thing while showcasing potential in its first performance and i think a lot of fans hear that and they're like we heard you do it once can we just like try it again like can we just get a little bit more space because one thing i'd argue one of our critiques that we constantly throw around with mike songs is that they feel like six different songs in one 555 it knows what it is. Like it is, this is what I am. This is the space I play in. This is the groove that we play. And that works really well. And I would argue like the chorus is really solid. The lyrics like don't necessarily bother me. It has like a message that I think is really (laughs) fascinating. Um, So I think that there's this like push and pull of people being like, Hey, we want to like this song, but could you do just a little more with it? And that, you know, whatever that, that debate is kind of, uh, uh, you know, long lasting within, within the fish community. But I agree with you, Jonathan, it was a solid version. It fit the kind of let's play some, uh, underplayed Halloween gems this first set, which is just something you don't really get from them. Yeah. Before we move on to set two, can we just shout out Michael Myers is in the chat for Friday the 13th. So uh, calling for spooky <laughs> jams tonight. Spooky jams. Hell yeah. But, uh, I'm on board for that. He's alive. Um, <laughs> yes. Let's go on to uh, set two here. Um and I will just advocate the first five Halloween movies are all amazing. And if you have not sat down and watched them this October, I don't know what you're doing with yourself, but they are I'm not going to do that. Great. No, I don't like, I don't like scary movies. They're scary movies from the seventies. It's just like, you see the mask, like it gives you enough of a hint and then it kind of scares you. They're, they're you plus, need to see as soon five as you of them? see, as soon as you see like uh boys and girls going off together, getting on the sofa you know what's gonna or wherever, you know, they're going to die. So it's not like you can't like, you, there's no warning to avert your eyes. Yeah. yeah. And, and the little girl who has the spirit of Michael Myers towards the, uh, I think it's Halloween four and five. Oh my God, dude. Um, it's true. Those aren't right. the scariest movies. Like the scariest movies are like the shining where it's all like implied and like <gasps> terrifying. That's it. like the really scary <laughs> shit. All right, now I'm going to go watch that this afternoon. My 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 
my sister's boyfriend showed me last night. Uh, there's a video on YouTube that they show you Jack Nicholson preparing for the scene where he throws the ax through the wall and his Chevy Shelley Duvall is in the ba- in the, no in the bathroom. And so it like shows him like warming up, like getting in the headspace while like the crew is walking around getting the scene all set. And then it directly segues into the scene where he like, he hits the door with the ax. It is one of the coolest things I've seen online. Um, but awesome. film school uh, resumes on October 20th when we talk 2012 fish. Um, set two, <laughs> Mike Song, into Prince Caspian, into No Man in No Man's Land, right back into Prince Caspian. It's Ice, into Pillow Jets, direct segue into Weekapog Groove, Twist, Slave to the Traffic Light, with a four-song encore of Joy, Buffalo Bill, Wilson, and First Tube. Um, There's a lot to unpack here. Jonathan, I started with you last time, so Megan, I'm going to start with you here for set two. What are your overall thoughts? What are your big highlights? I love this set, especially the first half of it. I think obviously this mic song is cool. We've got a proper second jam. I love these like I love when they play songs that you can kind of expect in that slot, but they always remind you of like really great versions. Like I think back of when it opened set two at MSG on 8-4, which was like a callback to when it opened up that night at the Baker's Dozen on the whole night. Like there's just this kind of like a historical reference that just makes you like really excited and I think the first part has that kind of growly strut, which is exactly what you want from a Mike song. And then it's got like a really patient, exploratory, conversational section. It's really beautiful. And I love how it ends with like the really like powerful, big effect-filled ending. It's just a really great jam. I love how like it has multiple sections, which is I think all you can ask for in a Mike's jam. It's great. And I think the Caspian is super earned and absolutely beautiful. Like I know I beat a dead horse with this, but I just don't fucking understand why people don't love Caspian. It's one of the most beautiful songs they've ever written. And this version's gorgeous. Awesome into No Man. You know, this is dancey, just how I like my No Men's. And then when Trey finds that Caspian riff and they're back into it for another minute or so, it's just, it sounds so effortless. And I love that little like sandwich there. It's so nice, especially after like really like intense, powerful mics. And then Ice is always great. I think it's like, they also stretch that out a bit. It gets like a little discordant and out there in that section right before the end, which is so great. And I love Pillow Jets. I think it's such a great placement here. I love this song. It's only the third time played. Again, showing a willingness to like take new songs out for a ride. It's only a matter of time before this song jams super big. It's just they immediately kind of can go off. And I think we're going to hear this song have a 20, 25 minute version, like really soon. It's just, it's great ending with the like really crazy soundscapes and fishmen doing this like weird marching beat. I loved it. And I wasn't expecting them to like end the Mike's groove. I kind of thought the groove was off the table. So I was surprised when they mm-hmm. went into Weekapog, but, um, but it was fun, great energy. And I think this twist has some really special moments too. It gets really quiet really patient. There's some super sexy sections of this twist that's just really bluesy and jazzy and really, really pretty. And yeah, ending with Slave. I mean, I think this set's great. Uh, Yeah, I think great is a perfect (laughs) assessment. Um, This this Mike song has it. Like this is the, the, I think I texted you guys, this this is the truth right here. Um, Mike song. (laughs) always a great opener you people when they start playing that that rift intro mic song at the beginning of a set people know they're ready to throw yeah. down 
And then uh, this one quickly goes out. And, and I mean, it really goes out too. Like they're in, in what, you know, would be termed first jam. They get into a very beautiful kind of blissy place that is so un Mike song. It is just absolute gorgeous type two jamming. And then they pull it back, reprise the, the, transition in mics and then go to another jam that has just this higher tempo and drive to it and it's outstanding I mean, what is this clock at like 19 and a half minutes or something yeah it is just crazy would did not call this did not have this on my bingo card whatever you want to say outs just outstanding shit and then um i think they've earned the caspian here Right. Mm -hmm. And I know a couple of people who just hate Prince Caspian and they roll their eyes and that's too fucking bad. Pie guy. Eh, this shit is good. And like they play Caspian and it's like six minutes and okay, it's done. It's beautiful. It's done. They play start no man's no men in no man's land. And then the type two jam at a no man is Caspian jamming. And it's like, it's like fast being, you know, because it's so upbeat, but it's so in the key. It sounds just like, you know, a fast Prince Caspian that, of course, they can easily roll in and reprise Caspian at the end. That, like, I said it to you guys at the top. I think this uh, Caspian No Men is likely to be overshadowed by the very amazing Mike's yeah. song. But both of these are equally high points for me on this set and the rest of it is uh it's just plain good uh it's ice rules pillow jets uh you talked about the jam on the end of that i really like that you can hear mike pulls out the drill so add that to another of the uh the drill songs maybe um mm. the twist <laughs> you're dead on with the, like the the sexy kind of snaky playing it's not super long but it's trey really digging into his you know arena rock snarl guitar and it's outstanding and then a slave to finish and a four song encore with some amusing little banter around buffalo bill uh what just what a great way to you know end the first night judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy the Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, listeners. I want to tell you about one of our great partners, DistroKid. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. If you're a musician and looking to get your music out there, DistroKid is the way to go. DistroKid is available for iOS and Android and is now available in Apple's App Store and the Google Play Store. More than a million artists rely on DistroKid to get their music onto Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all other major streaming services. And with DistroKid, you can upload new releases, see your financial progress, get notified when you've earned royalties, withdraw money from the app, view and share links, check your streaming stats, and a whole lot more. 
DistroKid has more features than any other music distributor. Check them out today. Go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash helping friendly. That's distrokid with a capital K dot com slash VIP slash helping friendly for a special offer. Thanks, DistroKid. Yeah, it's interesting. I found the second set to be um, kind of like what we were talking about in early 3.0 second sets in the 40 for 40 series, where it's a lot of songs and it feels like segmented, but I really Mm -hmm. liked it. Um, I liked the segments of it. I liked how you got this very big opening jam and it's a mic song that, um, you know, the, when they, when they started playing, the, the second jam versions again in 2015 um, there was a sense some of those versions are really good but some of them like still adhere to the first jam within mics and to like the the energy within mics and it just kind of stretched out about a little bit longer there's a really interesting version from nashville 2018 that like doesn't even adhere to the first second jam type of breakdown it just goes completely off in like e sharp minor or something it's like a crazy weird jam segment for them uh the baker's dozen version obviously was really interesting the version this summer from um msg was good it was very energetic it was very it it like immediately found a peak and just kind of lived in that zone for a while this to me felt like a breakthrough almost in a way which is a really crazy thing to say about one of their oldest songs but like this is a style of jamming and mics that i would argue we haven't really heard within this song since the mid 1990s like summer 95 when they would just go off into space out of mics Mm. um I found it really fascinating from a historical version, from a musical standpoint, this is my zone. Like this is what I want to live in. And I find for for them to open a second set this way and immediately get patient and immediately just allow the space to kind of like live and exist. And like the guys, you know, someone throws out a riff, Fishman throws out a drum beat, Paige moves to a new keyboard, Trey's playing around with effects. Like it wasn't really full of direction in a way that I really liked. It was kind of like they were just like, Hey, we're here, we're hanging out and we're just jamming. And I loved it. Um, I found like, I think to your point, Jonathan, the Caspian, no man's Caspian is definitely going to get overshadowed wrongly. Um, it's a really solid, uh, segment of music and it kind of just continues to show their creativity within their catalog. Those are two songs that like, I'm never really going to think are going to be together in a sandwich the way that some other songs will. And it works like it really works. Um, I'll also say like, just from a Caspian standpoint, I'm, I think we're all aligned here as like Caspian defendants, unless, you know, you really take issue with the two minute versions from 1995 or unless you're only familiar with like the 2.0 early 3.0 versions that were kind of like four to five minutes and didn't do much other than kind of like break up one song to another, go back and listen to Fall 97 Caspians and go back and listen to pretty much every Caspian since the Magnaval version. Mm-hmm. Both sides are two very different approaches to the song. The first is like Jimi Hendrix inspired Trey, My Bloody Valentine inspired Trey, just like taking this two chord song and like blowing it out for 14 15 minutes but basically everything since magnaball has been really fascinating like this where they're finding new angles like the dicks version from this summer was incredible the msg version from this summer was incredible they find things in the song that it's now becoming the norm that when they play caspian they go to a really interesting space um 
the last thing I'll say is just like to your point, Meg, about pillow jets. It reminds me of the well in the sense that yeah. Trey has written the song. Um, it's a very short, but like you know, when you're in that space musically, like you're in that space and that space lyrically, like what he's writing about, he has like dropped you into this zone, loved or hate the lyrics, whatever you, wherever you stand on that, like he has dropped you into a very intentional, uh, subject matter zone, but then he's left the back end completely open to do whatever with. And while we have not gotten a version of pillow jets that is kind of on the par with the version of the well from the man, it's coming. Like it's clear that this is just open-ended space for these guys. Yep. And I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if we get a 15, 20 minute version at MSG. Um, so yeah, I mean, in closing, these are the kind of sets that don't typically work for me, but I really enjoyed uh, listening to this on Tuesday night. And I've really enjoyed listening to it in the the days since. Yeah, I think it hangs together well throughout. And um, somebody, David Miller here in the chat says, the Caspian supported the dreamy, mellow vibe of the show. Mm-hmm. You know, I got I got to say, I'm, I'm kind of with you there, David. It's, uh, yeah. it's not the most uh, angsty, aggressive fish concert. It, but it does have some nice, like, you know, highs and lows and that kind of the energy. Um, and I think that it, overall is it's a great level and uh, a lot of fun that's a good, good that's a good note and like when, when you get songs that like support a vibe that's a really cool space to be in especially since they're calling this in the moment um anthony pagano pillow jets i often ponder does that mean pillows in the shapes of jets <laughs> or pillows flying through the air at the speed of sound <laughs> less literal i think anthony <laughs> I, I imagine it's just like you're you're floating on the clouds. Like we're just we're in a dream space at this point. What do you think, Meg? Well, I don't I think it's open for interpretation, but what this song really means to me is that like Trey's got two brand new songs that he's playing in a set, you know, in a famous arena for them in their 40th year. Like what other band is doing that? Like this is incredible. Like I think that's what stood out to me on this whole run, tour, whatever you guys want to call it. But there is just this willingness to continually tap into their new material and also think about how they're set listing them. I mean, there was some online chatter about Fish potentially like not showing up and not really wanting to be there. And I think there's factual evidence that that's not the case when you're playing really new songs and you're playing them regularly and playing songs that you haven't played in years. And you don't, you know, they don't have to do that. They have enough songs where they don't have to do that. They're obviously thinking about their set list. They're obviously rehearsing these songs. And they're also saying that they're excited to be there and having fun. And I think this encore showed that, you know, you've got a song like Buffalo Bill, right? 22nd time played super funny, silly song, harkens back to like old school fish. That's the shit that they do when they're having a good time. Totally, totally agree. And it, it, it made me think of something before we transfer to, to the second night, we talked a lot coming out of spring tour, um, about, you know, I loved, loved that tour, um, or that run, however we want to describe it. I guess we'll call it, <laughs> we'll just call it a fucking tour. Um, I loved that. That was that was the zone for me. That is to this point in mid-October 2023. That is my favorite music I've heard from any band. And I've listened to a lot of albums, a lot of concerts. Like that was my favorite music I've heard all year. Um 
Jonathan, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you did say at the time something along the lines of like, you, you missed the humor in that tour. And I'm curious, this tour feels to me like a blend of the deep, weird, psychedelic plane of spring with some more of the humor and banter and energy and engaging aspects that we found throughout this summer tour. Um, again, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but do you hear it that way as kind of a melding of that? You know, I want to reserve my comment until after Chicago. Because, I mean, point. it's been five shows. Uh, I, I, I want to see what happens. I, I think that I'm leaning in that direction, though. There has I mean, to be a Vax solo, right, Jonathan, for us to like fully. That, that's true, that. true. Without <laughs> that, it's not funny. Without that, it's, it's not fun. Funny. Like, they're not truly <laughs> having fun out. unless fishing comes out. But no, I mean, I think they could. They could demonstrate uh, uh having a good fun time without that but i'd like to have one but this is like um, the best conversation because it's like fish you're not being funny enough okay like you're not doing big enough jams you're not like set listing perfectly and you know you're not being funny enough so it's just like this like our expectations you know, just i mean fish has to know make me like that there are so much. they have to know that they have like there's four guys four personalities and there are probably eight or 10 sides to the band. You know, mm -hmm. there is point. the composition side. There's the open-ended jamming side. There's the humor side. There's whatever Mike is doing side. There's, <laughs> you know, page channeling Elton John uh, side. And by the way, page, you know, for no reason other than it would be awesome. Burn down the mission would be a really cool song to sing this weekend. Just saying, um, you know, there's, there's, but there's, so they have, they're in nines, we'll call it a nine sided cube. Uh, uh, maybe a, a nine band. cube. Mm -hmm. And uh, humor is one of those. Totally. And yeah. there, mm -hmm. we all know 2.0 fish, a lot of that was sucked out of it. Certainly the second half it wasn't of 2.0. So it wasn't funny at all. It's, it's all part <laughs> of the I didn't thing laugh once. That we need. <laughs> two, two years I didn't even by. go because it wasn't funny. I didn't I even didn't, go. I didn't laugh once. I went a lot, <laughs> but I didn't laugh once. Um, just a couple quick shout outs here in the comments because we got some some heavy hitters here. Neil Landry says, AMHF pod. This is a pleasant surprise. I guess my morning work plans can go F themselves. Yes, you are absolutely Neil. right about that, it's Neil. Friday, dude. Grab a donut. I'm not even at work. Coffee. Don't tell anybody. We still have another show to recap. <laughs> Ben Gardner goes, I have no idea what Conjurers of Thunder means, but I love it. Fish, you goofy goofs, win again. I'm, I'm right there with yes, you. Um, exactly. Rob tells us that Trey's got a room full of pillows. I guess he's just got a pillow room, and he wrote a he wrote a song about that. Um, and then Toph B <laughs> goes, I love Caspian. It's so underrated. So we got more people on our team Caspian side Trey here. Trey goes Yay. into the room full of pillows <laughs> and sits under the air conditioning jets blowing on him. Mm. And then he just – <laughs> He hits he hits his um, uh, octave pedal down, so everything all everything is like down. He play, just plays really low on the E string, and so the whole room rumbles like thunder. That's <laughs> now if that's the, the conjurers of thunder. I like the idea that. Um, he he has a room full of pillows that has been like an inspiration room that he's written a lot of songs in. And one day he just, just wasn't feeling pillows. very inspired. So he was just like, wait, 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 I'll write about the pillows and the air conditioning jets. And we got a new right. song out of it. Um, all right. So let's go to night two here. Uh, our first two night run at the Nutter Center here in Dayton, Ohio. 10-11. We get set one. 
coming off of, I should note, a sound check that all we know is that they played My Soul. Uh, set one, Set Your Soul Free, Funky Bitch, Rogue or Rogue, depending on your pronunciation. I won't judge however you pronounce it. Kill Devil Falls, Steam into My Friend, My Friend, into Crazy Sometimes, and then Walls of the Cave closed mm. this out. Um, I'm going to throw it to you, Jonathan, but I just want to say I loved this first set. This to me was the interesting. As of this point in time, the only first set from this tour I enjoyed more was Nashville Night Two, set one. Um, I loved, really? loved, loved this set. Yeah, I thought it flowed really well. I thought um, when you pop jams in in places like this, uh, it just works really well for me. That's kind of the magic ticket. Um, it's it's really simple. If 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 you can throw jams in, I don't really care what songs are played. Um, that's just <laughs> well, it's really it's really simple. It's, uh, yeah, true. Um, Jonathan, what were your thoughts overall on this set? Um, I think it's a good set. Uh, kind of like what you're saying, you know, they, they do drop in a couple jams. They're, there's, they're not substantial micro jams, if you will, set your soul free opens up, uh, and it opens itself up just a little bit. Um, and then they tighten up with funky bitch. Oh, good stuff. Beautiful Roger kill double falls. The same thing it opens up just a little bit, gets into it kind of gets into that place for just a moment. You know, that place, musical enjoyment, you know, that place, you guys remember that movie, right? <laughs> um, and, uh, and then steam, it's just good song selection here. Steam, my friend crazy. Sometimes felt like I had to like stop and go, shit, how long has that been? Um, Cause it had been a while. Um, 132 shows, 12, right. 19. Yeah, so that was interesting to hear. And then uh, Walls of the Cave to close. Um, yeah, it's a pretty solid set. Uh, I, I can't complain about it. Um, I honestly, though, haven't gone back to listen to it since I listened to it that night. But that's not a negative review. It's just honest. There's lots of music out there. I get it. Don't worry. Meg, what are your thoughts? Well, it's so interesting to hear you talk about flow because I thought this set really suffered from a lack of flow. I thought that it started off like really great. I think this set your soul free, I mean, it's over 16 minutes. They're using effects really well over some beautiful playing by Paige and Trey. Fishman has that like super upbeat tempo and just gorgeous fills. A little bit of those ghost notes that we learned about on our Nashville recap. I feel like learning that was just like game changing for me. So I thought... The, when I first heard this set, I listened back to it. I didn't stream it. I was like, wow, this is this is going to be an amazing set. It's beautiful opener. Funky Bitch, I always enjoy, gets after it. But there's just no world where Roger should be played in the number three slot. It doesn't make sense here. It has to be later in the first set. I'm sorry, but it's like, this is the perfect, don't freak out, but this is the perfect bathroom song because you can actually go. You got to go to the bathroom back. 25 minutes into a show. That's why this is a bad place for it. Like you're, you're, I mean, hydrating you, is important, but you are overdoing okay. it clearly. Let me finish. You, you can go and get back before it gets pretty. Right. Mm -hmm. But the mm -hmm. third spot in the show is not a place where you're ready to do that yet. So it's like confusing and also just energy wise, I don't like it in this slot. I think it's like, you've got this set your soul free, kind of this like open hearted, big jam, funky bitch, which is like high energy. And then it's like, whoop, and like, you can't use the bathroom yet because you don't really need to. And it seems kind of a waste, but you want to miss the cringy lyrics, but then you like can be back. Cringy lyrics. 
Yes, the it's circus. Beautiful. It's talking about all the beautiful sights and sounds of the circus. They're shouting out one another. They're trading. Is lyrics. the circus beautiful? The circus is creepy. Circuses are, are creepy. Guys. The light. They're like where people get abducted. It's creepy. Oh, I think. I'm sorry that you had creepy circuses. Uh, that's I think that's did. A experience. <laughs> I see somebody about. I think. Um, I want to fall somewhere in the middle of this because I think that you. Both raising good points. I I personally love uh, Roger. Roger, I do, do agree. What's that? I think most guys do like it. I don't know why, but you guys all like it. Uh, yeah, like uh, it's music. it. Um, for me, <laughs> I think I look past the lyrics more than you, which may just require more like closer list on my my behalf. I think what I like about it is that it kind of takes a lot of what the band was working towards in 96 and 97, which was this very democratic approach and puts that into a song. And then in, in turn, it also employs that sort of uh, ambient style that they were playing around with a lot in 1998. And it, and it kind of like, hmm. it takes an Eno experimentation and puts it into a song. Plus, you know, suddenly, holy shit, John Fishman is a singer in this band. Oh my God, let's, you know, toss it around the circle. <laughs> so like there are aspects of it. And it's also interesting to me because like the song was only played a couple of times in 2.0 and then it came back once or twice in early 3.0. And it really wasn't until the mid 2010s that they were able to figure out like how to play this song. And it kind of works the same way that what's the use does where until they knew how to really employ silence again and employ patience, it was a bit of a mm. clunker. Um, so personally, I love it. Um, that said, I think that your point is really sound in terms of the placement of it. I think that if you put this um, either, you know, in the my friend, my friend slot and you kind of just swap those and you have, you know, funky yeah. bitch ends and then immediately like that boom, 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 and like a song like my friend, my friend that is, uh, it harkens uh, so many thoughts to like the early nineties and it's that compositional kind of weird mastery and it has a lot of energy and that goes into kill Devil falls and then we get steam and then we get the break. I think I agree yeah. with you that that flow overall works a little bit better. Personally, for me, and I use Funky Bitch as a bathroom break, which I know offends <laughs> the masses, but hey, um, it starts up, I hear those that riff, and I'm immediately like, cool, I'm going to get a water, and I'm going to go to the bathroom, because nobody's going to be in here. It's the best thing in the world. Um, but I think, and I'm just going to backtrack for a second, because I'm the one who said I loved this first set. Even in spite of those two moments... I felt like once we got into Kill Devil Falls, and this Kill Devil Falls is kind of like your, um, it's like the mini version of the Syracuse version. Uh, it's kind of like when Heineken re released like six ounce beers. And it was like, cool. <laughs> like I could just like put one of these back. And it's not a full beer. It's not like I'm sitting <laughs> on my back porch, like listening to a record while I'm listening to this. But you know, it's like I'm, 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 I, I, I get that, um, you know, serotonin release and I get the relaxation, like in a, in short order, this Kill Devil Falls works that way. It gets to that place that the Syracuse version does, but only in 12 minutes. And then it comes back to Kill Devil Falls in a really cool way. Um, I thought the steam, a song that I can take or leave every so often. Um, I thought it was a really strong version. My friend, I didn't my like friend. It in this spot though, either, because I feel like this is better after like a big jam in the fourth quarter of a show. And it also, mm, again, it's dark. like, yeah. And it's like, you're in Roger and then it's like sad. And then you're in Kill Devil Falls and they have this micro jam and you're up sad? and then you're like, 
back into steam. And it's just like, it's just kind of this like up and down that I didn't get. And then my friend, which is just so like huge and emotional. And then you're back and crazy sometimes. Like that's why I felt like it was just this like roller kind of coaster. Up and there. down and yeah. I thought I might as well listen back with with your critiques in mind because um I don't know. I, th- I think it's really interesting. And I think it's one of the things that endlessly fascinates me about this band is like one person can hear one thing, one person can mm-hmm. hear another thing. Nobody's right, nobody's wrong, but like you're just hearing and kind of reacting. There are certain records that people love that like they pass to someone else and they're like, it didn't do anything for me. And that's just like the way it is. <laughs> um I thought um just kind of like getting to the end of this, like crazy sometimes this was the first version since 12, 18, 12, 8, 19. I've got in my notes. Um, this is a mic song I do really like. I think it has a really cool funk groove to it. Um, I, I like that it has like a jam segment towards the end of it. And it seems to hinge at possibilities within, uh, within the overall song. I thought it worked in this spot and walls of the cave is one of my favorite set closers for the band. It's one of those songs that like, you can play it anywhere else. I'm not going to argue with it. I love Walls of the Cave. That was the first new fish song I ever heard. I still remember the day that it came out on AOL. And I was like, oh my God, I've understood this whole band's back catalog. Now I get to experience a new song with the rest of you. Um, and so I, I, it has a very special place in my heart. It opened Coventry, really good version. Um, this wasn't like standout, but it was really solid. And it just, um, it, it fixed some of the issues the band was having with the midsection of it, uh, mid, uh, during 2022. If you recall, there were a few mm. versions that they just like completely lost each other. Um, I thought it was a really nice, uh, spot and a good closer here. So I'm going to go back and listen to this set with some of your thoughts in mind, because I think that they're interesting and, I really liked this in the moment. I really liked my second listen to it, but I can definitely understand the kind of up and down nature that you're talking about. I, I want to say more about Roger, but I feel like Megan, you maybe didn't get it, your chance to talk about the rest of the set because I kind of jumped on that. Do, do, do you have more to add? Oh, that's okay. No, I just, I mean, I think Brian kind of said a lot of what I thought, but I do think that crazy sometimes, again, a song that they're kind of pulling out, you know, from the catalog, only the ninth time played. I heard it the Baker's Dozen. I love the end of this song it ended in that like effect heavy, like monster space. I think that's really cool. And like you were saying, Brian, I think that really adds to like where this song could go. It's exciting, I think. And yeah, I thought the end walls is the best set closer, I think. Thanks, Jonathan. Sure. Uh, so again, I, I just want to stand in defense of Roger as you said, it's sad <laughs> that I can't really speak to your emotional responses you have your own i have my own kind of as brian was saying um but i just want to get your consideration i think i've said this to you before on this show is that like the latter half of the song is kind of harmonically to me very similar to uh winter queen um Mm. has this very Mm -hmm. trays in the very like lilting tone except it also has these heavy bombs from mike on the bass and mike mm. steps some, some of the uh, of them he steps mm. forward and really lays out the riffs and then drops the bombs and it's amazing when they're when it's really working the dynamics like what's the use of this song are fascinating but unlike what's the use which brings the whole band down to a pin drop and then goes up this one kind of D- n- dives repeatedly in and out of well, it. That's I, interesting. I, I think it's a journey that is just, oh, it's so gorgeous. And 
this psychedelic circus space really puts me back in mind of wandering around at Lemon Wheel or something. Mm, well, sadly, I didn't get to go to Lemon Wheel. But yeah, I, I that's interesting, Jonathan. And you both mentioned What's the Use, which I think you both know is one of my favorite fish compositions. So that's making me think maybe I need to do another listen of Roger. I don't know. Maybe I can get over the creepy circus part and like get into it because it is beautiful, the ending part. Clearly, so you I'll, haven't I'll heard the version again. of What's the Use that's about uh, creepy little gremlins that are attacking <laughs> people. And it's it's beautiful. I swear to God. Um <laughs> All right, let's go to, to set two here. Um, talk about uh, masterful. Um, just showing yes. the hand left and right here. Uh, Down disease, a rare set two opener, if you will. Pretty shocking <laughs> in the slot. Uh, into Ruby Waves, <laughs> uh, Life Boy, into Piper, into Backwards on Number Line, I Am the Walrus, uh, and then an encore of Egg in a Hole and Possum. Um, Megan, what were your thoughts on this overall set? Was it too creepy? Was it the right amount of creepy? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm joking. I'll stop. What were your thoughts on this overall? I think this set is perfect fish, in my opinion. You know, you've got this like spicy start with down with disease. You know, they sound inspired. You can just tell they're feeling it right away. And even though this is a classic set to opener, it's still the best. It's kind of like when they open with mics or something too. Like you were saying, Jonathan, it just makes everybody happy. This ruby waves though, multiple sections. It's got the like shiny, bright, almost plinko section in the beginning. It's got the throwback to the like Paradise City roll with the changes, whatever you want to call it, Northern Island section. It the way it goes back into the song and then blasts off again, like they've been doing with Tweezer sometimes. It's so good. Like they come back in and then they just send off into the cosmos. And it's just, there's so many parts of this jam that. Trey is playing with so much emotion. And I think that this is why Trey's playing and Fish's Jams will always be the best for me, better than any other band, is because the emotion that Trey's able to tap into in these jams and just come soaring out is just so unbelievably gorgeous. And there's actually moments in here when Trey is playing like Bliss Peaks but everybody else is not just doing the bliss peak with them. They're playing like textures and layers. And it's just, this is exactly why just nobody can beat fish for me. This whole jam is just perfect. And landing in life boy is like, that is the absolute perfect landing after a jam. I mean, Jonathan, you're shaking your head now. No, no, no. I'm just bopping and hearing it in my okay, head. Good. Sorry. Because I'm like, it is. It Life Boy is just, it's the saddest, also such a throwback. It always makes me feel really young when I hear it. It just reminds me of when I heard that song when I was like 17 and 18 and what I felt like when I heard that song. And it's just, it's one of those songs that like the lyrics are so vulnerable and we've all felt that way before. And to have it after a big jam like that, and then a great piper, the best, you know, always want to have backwards down the number line at this point. And you just get to like be joyful and celebrate, hug your friends and ending with I am the walrus. They ended the first set of the Tuesday eight one show at MSG. And it was perfect. It's a perfect set to closer to seventh time played again, pretty rare sing along from the crowd, psychedelic swirling ending, totally epic. I think this set is Chef's kiss. Brian, what did you think? You loved it. 
I lo- I loved it. I um I'll, I'll reserve my thoughts here for a second. I want to give Jonathan uh, <laughs> the floor here because uh, I, I've not heard what your thoughts are on this. I mean, you know, it's all right, guys. I mean, it's just fish played. It's I mean, no Roger. Wrong. It's you know, it's um, it's great. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna skip down with disease because every time I play this show in the future, I'm gonna skip down with disease. Um, if you haven't heard mm. the design, down with disease, you should probably hear it. But then after that, every time you go to the set, you're going to listen to the Roger, uh, not the Roger, the Ruby waves begins with an R. <laughs> um, you did that to me, Megan. I think. Uh, Sorry. Uh, the, um, this Ruby waves is amazing. It is, you know, people want to rate stuff. They're going to rate it high. There's no question. If you don't rate it highly, if you rate things, you probably should think about what your priorities are in music. Um, this is exploratory. It is locked in jamming. It is like three or four minutes of the roll with the changes uh, groove right in the middle, and it's which is glorious and fun to hear. And then, yeah, the fact that they come back to Ruby Waves and then check out again is just that's everything you want. Brian, you talk about this all the time. You're probably about to talk about this just now here in a minute, and I'm going to step on it, which is that, you know, when they go and go ahead and just like push on when they could have ended it, that's, that's Mm. when, you know, they're feeling it just as much as we are. And then they pushed on and not only did they push on, they pushed into a completely different direction and it just got weird and amazing i i sat over here on my sofa this morning playing along to it i don't belong in a band like fish um but it's a lot of fun to play along and follow how they are changing as they're playing Mm. and um this is just a just an outstanding version um that i have listened to several times since it happened the landing and a life boy um if uh, RJ were here, he would say that this is how you land from a big jam, I think, because uh, he really loves Life Boy out of big jams, and I agree. Um, somebody asked on a social internet media about my thoughts on this Piper and implied that this was a slow jamming, slowish, introish kind of Piper, and it's it's about the same as 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 usual. Um, doesn't really go slow for very long, like just a couple bars, and just, and then just they, not a slow enough beats per minute for you. I mean, look, it, Fish is going to play it how they play it. We all know that. Um, true. They play and the it's, music, but it's it's fine. Uh, at least it doesn't blast immediately to the refrain. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it's not the yeah. Hampton or Nine version, right? But it's fine. Um, and number line is really nicely placed and delivered. Um, then the walrus. I am the walrus. Cuckoo, my fucking chew, dude. This thing I is so fucking the cool. Best. And best. weird. I just love that they're playing this. And it just, it gets out, gets bizarre. And then closes tidily and like it's disorientingly weird, uh, which is what it should be. Um, and they come out for the encore for Egg in a Hole. And I've seen some conversation around this. And I just want to say, first of all, I like Egg in a Hole. I think it's good and weird. Um, 
I think it it's self-aware because they're in the middle of this bizarre song and they're like, I, I'm not sure I really wanted this, you know, <laughs> but also they're, uh, you know, the comment is some people were like, were they looking ahead to Chicago or looking back to I am the Eggman? Well, why not both? Because uh, they're singing, I got to get back to Chicago. Trey kind of calls that out after the song. They're looking forward to the next stop, which I think everybody in fishdom is right now very excited for this these Chicago shows. So it's nice to know that the band is excited for them. Uh, Brian's scared of the Chicago shows, Terrified. but everybody else is excited. <laughs> um, Terrified. And just a just a I, great finish. To your point, like that is something that differentiates fish being on tour than just your standard rock band being on tour. There's a connective tissue between Dayton and Chicago and Nashville. Mm. <clears throat> These are not just tour stops. This is a tour that has some sort of a theme that we're all going to think about five, ten years from now. Right. And them referencing the next run from this run is is a good thing. Yeah. It's kind of like giving themselves a narrative arc, which I think is so smart. And also like part of like how Fish creates this connectivity between like they know we're all listening. They know we're listening to all these shows. They know we're talking about them. They know we're commenting on them online. And it just builds that sense of community that Fish is so good at doing. And I love when they play, I mean, Egg in a Hole is weird. It's like, don't doubt me, right? It's one of those weird songs filled with like inside jokes and yeah. like stupid comments, but they look like they're having so much fun when they play it, which is what matters. So sure. can I, I want to yeah, go ahead. follow that by answering this uh, Shermuth comment. And it's kind of a long one, but Shermuth says, we got a few Egg in a Hole plays in 22, but I feel like this is the first true full song play since Halloween. All the other versions were segs. And uh, and it's absolutely right. Uh, totally. This is like the yeah. most deliberate. I feel like the segs previously, they kind of like, oh, this is, okay, we could go there. Kind of, they found their way into it. Oh, Where yeah, this, like that MSG version. Mm -hmm. Right. They were like very purpose, purposely walked out. Mike is the Eggman. Play this, you know. <laughs> I, they were, and that's what I like about it, uh, in addition to the general weirdness, is that they really wanted to go there. No, that's a really good point. And yeah, it definitely felt when this was first, with the first performance after, uh, oh, I guess I can pull it up here on .net. I believe the first performance after um, Halloween, yeah, it was 4-23-2022. Then that came in and mm -hmm. out of Simple. And Simple, then 6-1-2022 yeah. came out of Caspian and into Piper. This is the first standalone version. It's interesting to hear the song in that standpoint. It also ties with kind of the hijinks that we're talking about. Um, I just want to highlight a couple comments here before I dive into set two. Ben Gardner, high fives all around on the floor when they finished Ruby Waves. Momentous. Walrus got weird and dark and heavy. Crowd was stunned. Kuroda was incredible. David Miller, my first life boy since 98. I was absolutely shell-shocked after the set it's what we dream about more on that yes. here in a second and ben fox never thought i'd witness them landing in life boy after a huge journey of a jam so grateful to be over there for that i think you know ben david uh and and 
other Ben. Um, these are guys who listen to a ton of fish the way that we do. They're in this thread often. Um, they listen to our other podcasts. Like these are guys who are thinking about listening to this music. Their sentiment is what I share. Like this is this is why we chase this band. This is why we listen to show after show after show. This is why we talk about show after show after show. And you know, think about this on a level that like I probably should only be thinking about like whether or not I'm going to get rich on the stock market type of thing or like what my kids are going to do in college. You know what I mean? Like, like there's, yeah. there's probably like more productive ways I could like be spending my time, but like, this is, this is why we do this. Um, the Ruby waves. Um, I mean, I've been very detailed about uh, my thoughts on fish jamming this year. This is my number five favorite jam of the year so far. And I, I, I could see it going that much higher as i kind of listen back through the the jams after the tour ends it's also like just of note i have three ruby waves in my top five right now that is insane it's been a momentous year for this song this version the alpharetta version and the mexico version are just next level fish jamming to my ears um this i mean this is it this is why I, i will follow this band forever regardless of whatever great music comes along that calypso segment uh it's hyper connected the band's all playing as one there's no real like hey let's go in this direction it's just let's ride this space let's grow this as much as possible they come back into it you're 20 minutes into a jam and you're like okay we just saw something really really good and then they go into a 10 minute just like demented psychedelic interstellar weird madness uh space that is a is a zone of music that I love. I want to go back to over and over again. I seek out other bands that play in that style. Um, and I love when fish taps into it. It's them kind of like tapping into like their craft work influences in a way that I'm just like, I'm here for, I'm very into, um, beyond that. I, I really just like, you could, they, this is one of those sets where they could have played anything and I would have really been cool with it after the Ruby waves, but I thought that it flowed really nicely. Life boy, as you guys are talking about kind of what we were saying with broken into pieces on night one, having this arsenal of ballads that touch on different emotions and can be played and employed in different areas of the show is a really cool thing. This life boy works really well here. Um, Piper number line, Nothing outlandish, but like really, really good playing. I thought Trey's solo in Numberline was really solid, um, and it kind of harkened back to that very uh, lyrical Allman Brothers type of uh, playing that we heard from him throughout Summer Tour. And Walrus, uh, I'm always going to take the Beatles from Fish. I like them playing the weird Beatles songs. Um, I Am the Walrus has like sneakily become one of their most reliable and dependable covers, regardless of the fact that they haven't mm. played it that much. And then, like I said, the the nods to the next show, um, the humor playing a rare song that, like, when it started, I, I would imagine a lot of people are like, "What is going on right now?" Oh, yeah, it's egg in the hole. It's just a fun moment, and that's like that's kind of what an encore is for: is to throw a song like that in there where people are like, "Oh my god, I wasn't expecting this." Um, and then Possum Trey saying that the Nutter Center is one of the sickest rooms that they get to play. I mean. <laughs> It's it's another one of those weird things. I think Jonathan, you mentioned it when we were talking earlier about humor. Like uh, Megan, you talked about this as well. Like not only was there no humor in 2.0, but there was no real acknowledgement from the stage of the significance of what was going on and what the fan mm. base was feeling. It was just a lot of like they took the stage, they played music, they left the stage. When they say things like this, like "Hey, we love this room," and you and the fan base can then be like, "See, we, we this is." This is a special place for all of us. 
that's something that um, you know, fish kind of breaks down the fourth wall often uh, mm-hmm. in of their connection with the fans and being like, hey, we're in on this too, even though we're the ones creating the music in front of you. Um, so I just love that stuff. I thought this was an excellent show. This is currently my favorite show of this overall tour. Um, my One of my favorite jams of the overall year. I mean, sometimes it's just as simple as this. And uh, you just get to a point where you're like, this is why we keep doing this. This is why we keep talking about it. That fourth wall breaking is a thing. And I, I'm glad that you mentioned that it wasn't a thing they really did in 2.0. It was one of the mm-hmm. one of the big kind of spiritual differences in the in the era. Mm-hmm. Uh, because mm-hmm. yeah. it was common in the nineties. Like I, totally. I was just thinking uh this morning about the uh uh in God, what was it? It was in ninety-four um in october when they played uva and trey's like some of you were at boone last night you know like yeah it he's literally yeah. stringing it together and connecting the places and the shows and connecting with the audience who were doing the same thing and uh and th- that was just completely gone in 2.0 and it's 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 around now you know trey's connecting with the audience and the band is connecting with us and not just because they're playing music and doing the energy feedback thing but they're really they're there and know that we're some of us at least are going through this experience with them and uh, yeah, there's like a there's a shorthand that the band that the fan base uses to describe a lot of you know the tours you know this venue slash city song was great this second set was sick the the pit at this place was off the you know whatever like when the band kind of speaks in that sort of style it it makes you realize and trey said this from the stage that we are a part of this as much as you all are you get like the real sense that that's not bullshit that like they could not do this (laughs) to just like people seated in a you know, in a venue coming to like, listen to the hits, like they would not work and would not be successful unless they did this this way. Well, the energy that we give them is, is insane. I mean, nobody listens Mm. like fish fans, nobody, nobody listens like us and nobody gives back to the band the way that we do. And and they know that. And that's like, you know, the end of the MSG run when Trey is saying like, we love you as much as you love us, you know, like he means that you're right. And it's, you feel that. And I'm excited to listen back because I thought Nashville night two was so strong. And so I'm curious how these two kind of stack up against each other. I want to listen to him back to back now. They're kind of different sides of of a coin for me because they're Mm -hmm. both great. Like you get a little bit more of the like, hijinks and gimmickry in nashville night too where like there's a bit more kind of segues um this one is obviously anchored by a huge huge jam but um i think if you caught either one of these shows you're in a good spot and regardless how much more fish you're seeing this year you can walk away being like i saw a really really good show in nashville i saw a really really good show in dayton and to everyone who saw um, Nashville night one, Nashville night three, Dayton night one, and didn't see these two shows. I still think those were really good. Like you, you're, you're coming, you're at a point yeah. in this tour where like, you're just seeing really good music, even, you know, and that's, that's never even. a given. Sometimes you, you see the really good show or you see the show that kind of feels like an off night. This tour doesn't yeah. really feel so far like there's an off night. I'd offer no guarantees for Chicago, but so far out of five shows, we've had yeah. five good shows. Yeah. A couple I also think arguably that- greater, but. Five good shows with all I think this great year. All of that great super music. strong in general. Yeah. Like every show they played this year, there's been something great that happened at it. I think. 
So not to get into the prediction game. Sure. Um, but Chicago starts tonight. But I want to talk about tomorrow uh, because tomorrow is an interesting day. Tomorrow being it's not just because it's Saturday. It's not because it's the 14th. It's because we have a partial solar eclipse that they call the Ring of Fire Eclipse. And anybody around here know what Ring of Fire is for fish? Ambient jam, baby. Lemon wheel ambient jam was the Ring of Fire jam. So does fish remember that? Because you can't always count on them to remember Someone will tell them. So it's an interesting question because... And, and I will admit um, at this point being potentially wrong on dates, which which is a rare thing. But um, over the summer, as we were preparing for <laughs> Dicks, I found that um, according to Fish.net, they were going to play their 2000th show on Saturday night at Dicks. It appears as though their 2000th show was actually Friday night at um, Nashville. I, I yeah. don't know exactly where the misprint is there. Maybe it's like two shows on one day that has been counted. I don't know. Mm. Um but I can tell you that Dave Steinberg often differs for dates because okay. he doesn't count certain shows. So it depends on the band might be kind of yeah. stats because he doesn't count some. So that puts things off by a couple nights. Just a bit. Sometimes. Well, it was interesting because they opened Saturday night in Nashville with 2001, which yeah, so they're counting the 2000 and first show. They know this sort of stuff. Um, yeah. So with that said, I do think that they are aware of these things. I do think that like someone in the fish orbit is like, hey, this is going on. This is happening. Um, whether or not we're going to get so deep that we're going to get a very ambient heavy second set. I, look, I'm rooting for it. Um, Same. Yeah, sure. <laughs> That'd be so that awesome. That said, I am um, unfortunately a diehard Chicago Bulls fan. And I know that that venue is a tease. Okay. <laughs> There have been moments in that venue that will make you weep with joy if you're a Chicago Bulls fan. And there are moments in that venue that will make you horrified and curl up in the fetal position. This is an entirely different sport. Why in the hell is Derrick Rose playing with six minutes left in a blowout game in game one of the 2012 playoffs? And oh my God, what just happened to his knee? Oh my God, everything is ruined. (laughs) Our entire, the, the system that we built over five years comes crashing down. And now, wait, what is going on? We just traded for Zach Levine, the biggest loser in the NBA. NBA. What is go? Why do I have to root what for this is man going over on Jimmy here? Butler for the next six years of my life? Why are you doing this to me? Over Ryan, you're putting your bad again. juju on the on the yeah, center. Take I'm your bad scared. juju, man. Sport, bro. <laughs> get the hell out of here with your ghost Sixers, McGrupp. All right, you got a James Harden problem to deal with. Okay, just get out of here. You had no oh business God. being in Game Seven of the 2012 on, NBA hey, Eastern. Conference semis, you had no business, no business. All right, I'm done. Um, send them to the lobby. I hope, man. Brian, I get it though. It's it's vibes that you're worried about. Vibes, they've never played the United Center. I've seen so many concerts of the United Center, it's not a good building. Have you ever seen a good concert there? Yes, Bruce Springsteen, 1999. Um, okay, so just think the about boss that. Can do it. No, I'm the sure boss can do it too. The boss was, you know, <laughs> just think about that. It's going to be okay. 
it's Chicago fish. I'm excited. Yeah. The fans will bring the vibe and hopefully fish comes alive and and sets me at ease. But I'm 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 nervous and I have good reason to. Um (laughs) I do hope that the second set though is all ambient jamming. That would be great. Or ambient jamming, whatever you guys want. (laughs) So I'm excited uh, for these shows. Before I uh continue to go down um the rabbit hole of the Chicago Bulls history over the last twenty five years. I agree with you guys. We're in a really, really good spot. Uh, this has been an excellent uh, uh, Midwest fall tour jaunt run, whatever you want to say. And we got three nights cool. in Chicago before we have a couple months off, our biggest break from fish. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't know how much more fish we're going to get in the next nine months. So I would say savor this. We have MSG. We have Mexico. Beyond that, I don't really know. Um, I would love for them to take the approach touring that they did this year, but you just never know. We never know what they're feeling. And uh, so savor these last three shows because um, it's going to be it's going to be good. I'm excited. Hampton we will be back. Break, Hopefully. We will be back. Um, I think we're going to do Monday again to cover the yeah. whole yep. – reunite run so we will post information about this uh over the weekend everyone who's going to chicago enjoy um we'll see you guys on monday to talk about fish's tour finale run from the greatest city in america thanks guys thanks see y'all It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Hi, this is Henry Kay, host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland. Come with me on a journey to Kingston, Jamaica, where we explore the world of reggae music and the untold stories of some of the genre's greatest legends. From the ghettos and tenement yards where the music was born to the island's iconic recording studios. We are so excited to team up with Osiris Media, the leading storyteller in music. Because as you'll hear, sometimes the story is the best song.